Everybody, welcome to the Catching Carbon podcast with myself, Luke, and Jeff, my co-host. We're super excited about this episode today because everybody's been talking through the rumblings of 45Q. Since the IRA was introduced months back, we did our first episode. In fact, I think it was our third all-time on Catching Carbon talking about 45Q. And to the outsider, it feels like there hasn't been a lot of traction in terms of clarity, a roadmap to utilize those credits. And today we have Amish with Holland and Knight. Amish is the head of the Renewable Energy Department and also tax partner with Holland and Knight. Uh, relatively new to this organization. In fact, when Jeff and I met him um, almost a year back now, he was doing some other things, but has really focused on the tax credit in this field. And so Amish, we're excited to have you on. We're gonna ask some questions. We know that our audience uh, they're, they're dying to dig into and hopefully you can help us see where we're headed and when we're really going to start to utilize the tax credit, both the sequestration, which we do know some about, but also that key alternative use portion of the credit. Yeah, for, for point of clarity, uh, I, I just want to make sure I understand this. How am I your co-host? No, we're co- it's like, you, it's like it's, 5149. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, that's I, just just so I understand him. I don't think I'm your co-host, but yeah. anyway, let's just uh, Amish, please. How are you? Great to have you on the show. I've uh, been been doing some work with you uh, with with the, the the coalition on on uh, on CO two as well, and so great to have you here. Uh, tell us where are we at with forty five Q, and tell us all about what you what you're doing there at Holland tonight. Yeah, no, happy to do that. And and uh, Luke, you had mentioned the IRA came out a few months ago. We're actually coming up on the one year anniversary next week, and it's been it's been quite a year um, for for a lot of us. So you know what's going on with forty five Q. You know there there is a lot of excitement around carbon capture and sequestration, both from things that happened a few years ago and what happened under the IRA. So going back a little bit in, in time, um, this credit for capturing and storing CO two was put in the tax code back in 2008. And it was it was used, but it wasn't used as much as I think Congress had hoped for. So in 2018, Congress made huge changes to 45Q. And that really opened up the market. And one of the changes it made was to allow the credit for when you take CO2 and you use it for lots of commercial purposes. So putting it in food products, putting it in dry ice, using it in concrete, lots of other things other than just putting it deep underground. And so it really opened up uh, the market, it increased the amount of the tax credit, it made it more broadly available, um, and there was just huge amounts of excitement around 45Q. Uh, one of the challenges with 45Q was, well, two of the challenges was the dollar amounts weren't viewed as high enough, and it requires a certain amount of CO2 to actually be captured. And so what we saw in the IRA was where the dollar amounts go up, and we saw that the capture minimums went down. And so particularly when we're talking about utilization um, or other sorts of technologies, it's important to have those capture amounts go down and the dollar amounts go up. Yeah, let's put that in perspective a little bit. That, and and yeah, I think we want to focus a lot about this utilization because that seems to be where there's the least amount of clarity, right? Like if you're sequestrating it into you know, geological domes or rock formations, it's $85 a ton. That's pretty cut and dry. There's plenty of, plenty of organizations that are achieving those credits but it's that utilization. So, yeah, and, and so if I recall the numbers correctly, what you need to capture now, 12,500 tons per year, uh, and and uh, you you get, for utilization, it's currently $60 a ton, for sequestration, $85 a ton, but there's also a, a current pending law for parity uh, to get the utilization up to that same $85 a ton. Is that accurate? 
That's right. There, there are bills out there. You know, again, this is all evolving and, and it continues to evolve. So if you look at all of these tax credits that we have in the code, and if you look even more broadly, because I think this falls into a bigger bucket that, you, you know, and you've got to look at the bigger bucket here, which is in the United States, um, the government decided to incentivize clean energy projects, including carbon capture and sequestration through the tax code. And it's been doing this for decades. And, and we've been helping clients for, for decades on, on all of these clean energy, clean energy tax credits. And so if you look over time, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years. Every year, it seems like there are changes to these rules. And there are changes because Congress is making changes or there are changes because Treasury and the IRS are issuing new guidance. And so this is all evolving. And so when we look at utilization um, and we look at the rates for utilization, the, the, the amount of the tax rates is available, uh, how it's available, this is all continuing to be subject to change. So that's right. Um, you know, Luke, as you said, there are bills in Congress to change, to further change the amount of the tax credit so that everything is at $85 rather than just certain um, uh, uses of, of the, of the uh, CO2 being at $85. So understanding that, is anybody using that utilization right now? that you are aware of, are we seeing it happening or really is the credit only being capitalized on the sequestration? Well, yeah, I would say there isn't, there aren't a whole lot of 45Q claims at all yet. Um, and, and the reason for that is the statute was passed, the, the revised statute was passed in 2018. And then it took until 2020 before we had some initial guidance under that statute. And you know, that, that's, that, you know, it was over two years before we had some initial guidance and then regulations didn't come out until a few months later. And so the regulations came out in early 2020. Uh, and so this hasn't been around that long. These projects often take a long time to develop, especially large scale carbon capture projects take a long time to develop. And so under the new version of the credit that came in after 2018, there are very few claims. But what I will, what I will say is the ones, the projects that we're looking at are, you know, in large part looking at sequestering CO2. Um, and, and part of the sequestration process requires, um, getting a class six permit from, from EPA or from a state. And that's a long process as well. So this is a long drawn out process to get these projects built. It's not like putting solar panels on a, on the top of a, a roof. Um, and so it takes a while. So we don't see a lot of 45 Q claims altogether, but again, most of what we're seeing is in sequestration space in the utilization space, which is really, I know the focus here, one of the challenges is the credit is available for capturing and storing CO2. And when you're putting CO2 underground in a, in a storage well, you can meter how much CO2 is going down under there. And the, the assumption when you have that permit is that all of it's going to stay underground. And so that's pretty easy. When you are using, using utilization, we have under the statute and under the regulations that are provided by Treasury, you have to calculate how much CO2 is actually being stored. And so to do that, it's you have to have what they call a life cycle analysis. And you have to have that done by a third party, generally, who's, who's an expert in doing LCAs, life cycle analyses. And then those have to be submitted to the IRS and approved by the IRS. And to date, as far as we know, uh, and we've checked around with lots of folks, um, we're not aware of any LCAs that have actually been approved. Is there is there a lot of guy? Clearly not. Uh, but I'll, I'll answer my own question. But, but is there is there much guidance on you know what is an acceptable LCA? How they're going to be applied? What you need to prove in these LCAs? You know where where is 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 that the is that the roadblock that that why they're not getting approved or is it that it's just there isn't there isn't enough clarity in general? 
Well, that, that's definitely part of the reason we we've there. So the IRS comes out with a with what they call a priority guidance plan, which is a list of things on which they're going to provide guidance. And one of those items on that list, and it's been on the list for a little while, is LCA guidance. And we fully expected that to be out at least a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, and we still have not seen that yet. And so that really should provide us a roadmap. If it, you know, that guidance should provide us a roadmap as to how these LCAs are going to work, what we need to have in them. And there's some of that in, in guidance already, but we need more direction around all of that. And, and also what the process is going to be internally at the IRS to approve these. And so what we're seeing right now are LCAs are being submitted. Uh, they're being rejected or there are additional questions, but it's a very long process. And as, again, as far as we know, no one has actually completed the process yet. And who foots the bill on the life cycle analysis? I'm just hypothetically thinking through, I utilize carbonic acid, which is CO2 mixed with water, uh, to bring down pH levels within a municipality. Am I coming as a municipality forward to uh, whoever does the analysis to submit to the IRS on my own? Or are they, is the governing body going to say, we did an analysis on the utilization of CO2 in water for this specific industry, and now all yeah. scenarios are covered That's, by it? I was just about to add that to your question. Yeah, like is once they have approved X, does you do not have you know, the next guy doesn't have to go put the LCA in as well, or ice, do we so even ready. do we even know that yet? Yeah. And, and and that would make a lot of sense, absolutely. Um, so we're, we're we're hoping to get there. So right now, it's the person who's claiming the tax credit. So generally, who claims the tax credit is the one that captures the CO two. So the rule is to get the tax credit, you cap, have to capture the CO two and either store it yourself or have someone else store it for you. And, and again, someone else can store it for you in food and beverage and other sorts of things. And so the person who's storing it is going to claim the tax credit. So they have to get the LCA, but they're going to need help, obviously, and information from people who are actually doing the storing of that in, in these products. Um, so it's back and forth. But you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, particularly if these LCAs are going to take a long time to, to get to get um, passed, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to say, okay, well, we're putting CO2 in dry ice, and everyone who puts CO2 in dry ice has to go in and get their own LCA. So, you know, what, what we'd hope for and what, will continue to push for as these LCAs move forward is exactly that, which is the IRS and Treasury just to give us a list and tell us what the LCA is particular uses that are fairly common. So once that's established, let's just say tomorrow, everything becomes real clear. A year and a half from now, there's a, a, a change of administration. Is, is that all at risk? I mean, can people really entrust making these investments or could that just change again? And maybe it's not the administration, maybe it's just somebody new in treasury. Uh, like how secure is this funding you know, for the next 12 years, which is what the IRA proclaims when you, when you uh, get the approval for the credits? Yeah, and I, and I get that question all the time. I mean, you know, um, I'm, I'm here in Washington, D.C. and uh, you know, politics are a strange thing around here and they keep getting stranger, I think, by, by, the, by the month. Um, so, you know, when you look back historically, all of these tax rates, as I said, they've been around for a long time. And if I look at the biggest change before the IRA, it was back in 2004 and 2005 during the Bush administration. And so we've gone through a number of administrations where we've had these tax credits in, in the tax code. Um, you know, both parties have been in the White House over this time. Both parties have controlled uh, Congress over the time, and there have been various times where the Democrats controlled Congress and the White House, and various times where the Republicans controlled both. And what you've seen during that entire time is an extension and expansion of all of these tax credits. Um, you know, sometimes people forget, you know, as I mentioned in 2018, 
there was a huge change to the 45Q credit, and that was under the Trump administration with a Republican Congress. And, and people sometimes forget that that was actually done not under a, um, a Democrat, you know, a, a Congress controlled by the Democrats. And again, that's not a statement on politics, but I think it's important to think about. Yeah, I think the concern is that, you know, if we change administrations that have a Republican in the White House, um, you know, controlling Treasury and, and the administration, uh, or if we end up with a different mix in the Senate, that, that you know, as, you know, um, the, the, the Republican Party is certain to do, they might overturn some of the IRA. You know, again, I think that's unrealistic because a lot of the jobs that are being created, and I will tell you, we are, you know, it's, it's only been a year since the IRA passed, but it feels like three because it's been unbelievably busy. I mean, the amount of projects that we're seeing companies, you know, developing, you know, across technologies um, because of the IRA is just absolutely enormous. And a lot of those projects are being built in states that are Republican uh, controlled states. And so I would find it hard to believe that anyone on either side of the aisle would think that you know, we should stop this progress and stop this development and stop all of these jobs that are being built because of the IRA. So, well, yeah, oh, no, the discussion around uncertainty. I just yeah. want to stay there for one second. So if I'm going to look to justify the capital investment to capture CO2 of one of my processes, I don't have a pipeline, um, you know, either in my backyard or a virtual pipeline, and I can't utilize the sequestration and I want to go for alternative use, I essentially have to go through the investment, take the, you know, whatever it may be, year, two years to install this equipment, start to capture it, offload that CO2 to the user, then go through the validation process to make sure I am eligible for that credit. I mean, that that seems concerning to me. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that's what would help if we said these business segments are approved because now, you know, I'm putting a lot of risk there. And we always tell customers right now, um, the IRA and 45Q is icing on the cake. It's something that looks very promising, but you cannot rely on it today because we don't have some of those answers. I mean, is that, is that safe to say that you have to put the trust, go through the exercise to actually see and follow that CO2 through life cycle? Well, uh, you, can, you can actually go to try and get your LCA before you start to store. And so I would suggest that you go and try and get your LCA before you actually, you know, make the, the full amount of the investment. Um, you know, or you at least have a backup plan if you can't store it um, in in utilization. So, you know, I think as as part of the whole process, uh, and, and you're absolutely right, Luke. I mean, you're not going to spend millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars on a carbon capture facility if you don't know you're going to get the tax credit. It it it's it just doesn't pencil out. Uh, and so you're going to want to make sure everything is lined up uh, in terms of your storage, in terms of your tax credit, before you really start spending real dollars on these projects. Um, but but it, go, it goes back to the point of, you know, the whole point of this credit is to make sure that we're taking CO2 that otherwise be released in the atmosphere and, and you know, putting it for productive use, making sure we're not just taking more CO2 out of the ground. And one of the things people need to remember is there are a lot of, you know, great uses for CO2. Um, and sometimes people don't think about how they're being used in everyday products that we consume. I mean, we're taping this on a Friday, Afternoon, you know, maybe maybe later on this afternoon, we're all going to go out and grab a beer. Well, that has CO2 in it. And so we've got to think about all the productive uses of the CO2 and that this is intended to make sure we're, we're capturing CO2. And so um, the idea here is, is that when Congress comes up or Treasury comes up with these rules, they really need to be thinking about how is it workable for, for folks and, and to make sure that the LCA process is, is easy and it's been anything but to date.
Yeah, no, that, that uh, it's a great segue into kind of what I was just about to you know, position my next statement or question about is is just that that you know the uncertainty is you know one of the main reasons that that you know we are on the the council the CO2 council that I know has a new name so Rich will be mad because I completely forgot what our new name is but something about CO2 supply council Insert something below. something yeah put it there yeah it well, sorry Rich uh, but um, but uh, you know that it's it, because. From a, yeah, and for our audience, generally, the reason we started this podcast a year ago was to speak to the end users and, and, and kind of educate and inform about, because the, the questions we get all day, every day is what happens in a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, once we sequestration has, because our customer base and our, the people that we deal with and, and want to know are those brewers, are the food packagers, are the beverage uh, manufacturers, everybody that uses dry ice. Uh, the you know sustainable aviation fuel that gets their CO2 now, biogas facilities, things like that. All of these wonderful uses of CO2, we highly encourage all of them, and we want to encourage more of them. But with the uncertainty of how these tax credits are going to be applied, and therefore where that current supply of CO2 is going to go or not go, is really making it is damaging investment uh, because you know the the gas producers and distributors don't want to invest not knowing what could happen in two, three, four, five years, but also people that utilize CO2, they have to know that they're going to have access to that CO2. So, you know, a large brewery, to your, to your example, might not want to put a brewery in location X, Y, or Z because they might not have access to the, the necessary CO2. So it, the downstream impacts and effects are to, to the, you know, the, the food prices, to jobs, to you know, tax bases, to real estate costs, everything—it's unintended consequences that nobody anticipated when we taught it. When we're trying to do good by you know capturing and sequestering CO2 and then encouraging use, it's not happening because of that lack of clarity. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if you fully you know, or, you know agree with that same statement or not, but you know, what do you think it's going to take to get that clarity, and and how far away do you think we are right now, based on the you know, we're at the Treasury and other places? Well, so we absolutely need the clarity. I mean, this, you know, the, when utilization was included um, as an option in 45Q back in 2018, there was a huge amount of excitement over that opportunity. I mean, you know, I think uh, it's something that folks have been waiting for for a long time. There's a lot of excitement. Now, that excitement has um, gone way down because we haven't been able to, to actually take advantage of that because we don't have guidance. Um, you know, in terms of when guidance will come out, you know, probably not great business for me predicting it because people have been asking me that question for, for a few years now. And I keep telling them when it's going to be in, I've been wrong quite a bit, I guess, because it's not out yet. Next month. Next month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next month. Um, you know, one of the things I will say, you know, one of the challenges we're having is that um, when 45Q came out, it came out literally on the heels of a major tax bill, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was passed just months before. And so it got drowned out a little bit by by the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And then ultimately guidance did come out on 45Q. And I think the administration at that time was pushing for guidance to come out before the change of administration. So we got guidance around 45Q, but now we have the IRA. And the IRA is putting tremendous pressure on people at the Treasury and the IRS who draft all of this guidance. And I think it's important to remember, it's a really small group of people who actually have to write these rules. I mean, it, it, it's a small group. It's so when you look at most tax bills, it cuts across the entire IRS. And so different people can take different parts of it. Here, it's only in a, a very a small group and, and, and the number of people who, who do this work is very limited. 
Um, and the number of people who have a lot of experience in this area is very limited. And so I will say, and you know, Trojan IRS doesn't always get the credit they deserve, but they are working really hard. Um, and I know they're working weekends and nights to try and get all this guidance out of under the IRA. And so, but the downside for 45Q is that because a lot of the things that we're talking about here in terms of the LCA, they're not IRA issues. They came up back in 2018. They're taking a little bit of a backseat to all of these things that need to come out under the IRA. And so the same people would be working on this guidance are otherwise tied up. And so when is it going to come out? Um, that's a great question. I don't know, but I know, you know, I'm not, not, um, I don't think it's going to be easy to predict that because of all the other priorities. You know, I'm mean, you make me feel bad here because I'm going to turn the knife a little bit and somebody sleep deprived is going to have this in their ear and say, I'm doing everything I can. Um, but, you know, the clauses within the IRA around clean energy, around carbon capture were written really to incentivize, um, you know, cleanup of the atmosphere and, and to focus on being more green for the climate. Uh, and so you have these new technologies that are, are evolving and that are, are coming into being. And, uh, you know, Jeff always says that direct air capture is not the be all end all. And we have a lot of partners in that space, love the work being done. Um, but ironically enough, there is no incentive for some of these larger emitters. I think of the industrial sector and a lot of the CO2 being produced is, is relatively clean. Where direct air capture, you're under a percentage of CO2 in that atmosphere. And we see sources, you know, upwards of 90, 95% CO2 being emitted, but they cannot make the investments because they don't have the clarity, even though the intent of the bill is to drive investment. Uh, so, it's, and, and don't don't get me wrong, I, I am uh, definitely impatient on the fact that we haven't gotten LCA guidance yet, notwithstanding um, the fact that they're working hard on on lots of things. Definitely, you know, it's the sort of thing I, I had hoped that would come out even before the IRA was passed, um, yeah. when there was some time. And so, it's unfortunate it didn't it didn't happen, and now it's getting caught up a little bit. But you're right. I mean, you know, I think it is hard to make investments when you have that sort of a lack of clarity. And so, um, you know, one of the things we, we often talk to the IRS and Treasury about is that we need in this, in this industry in particular, we need clarity around some of these rules. Because when you think about how things work in practice, it's not just someone claiming a, CO, a 45Q credit. They've got to go out and get financing. And so they need to get sometimes equity financing, debt financing. They need to sometimes monetize the tax credits. And and the, the counterparties that you have to, to help finance and build these projects, they need some certainty on their investments. And where there aren't clear rules as to whether or not the credits will actually be available or the amount of credits that are available, it makes it much more difficult to finance these projects um, and ultimately to build these projects that are intended to reduce the amount of CO2 that's emitted in the atmosphere. Yeah, no. So, yeah, you just kind of led into the, what you know, I'll be my last question for you. A um, little, little bit off topic of what we've been talking about, about clarity, but just really for an educational piece. How, how does 45Q work or how do the tax credits work? I think it's maybe more the specific way. Are they transferable? What if I, you know, if I have, you know, a million dollars of tax liability, but I, I have $1.5 million of tax credits, you know, what, where does that work? And, and uh, just, you know, the basics, the 101 of that, like, how does that all come together? Yeah, and, and this has been an issue in this industry for a long time. It's true for carbon capture and sequestration, but it's also true for solar and wind and lots of other technologies as well. And they all kind of fall in the same bucket of how do you get value for the tax credit if you don't have tax liability? So, um, you know, there, there's historically been one way to do that, and that's to bring in a partner who can use the tax benefits. And there are a number of structures, what we call, so we bring in what we call a tax equity investor 
and we engage in, in a certain structure, whether it's called a partnership flip or a sale leaseback or an inverted lease structure in order to effectively um, monetize the value of these tax benefits where you can't use them themselves. One of the really exciting things about the Inflation Reduction Act are that, that there are two more options. And so the first is what we call direct pay or elective pay. And so if you're entitled to tax credits and you are certain types of entities, which include you know, state and locals, municipalities, tax exempts, um, and a few other entities, you can go get, uh, you can go to the government and ask the government for cash in lieu of the tax credit. Um, and, and you can do that, and actually anyone can do that when it comes to 45Q. So for a, a carbon capture and sequestration project for 45Q, um, that credit is available for 12 years after the project is operational. And for the first, you know, about five years of the project, you can go and ask for cash from the government and lieu of the tax credits. And then the back half, you've got to, you're entitled to the tax credits. Um, and then you can go to the third option. The third option is what we call transferability which is effectively selling the tax credits. And so um, anyone who can't claim direct pay from the government can go out and sell the tax credits at whatever the negotiated rate is. And so there's some guidance that came out, proposed regulations that came out on direct pay and transferability about six weeks ago. And we're seeing a huge market open up now and we're doing a lot of deals right now on buying and selling tax credits. Um, so, you know, there are just incredible new ways to be able to monetize these tax benefits. And IR did a great job in that regard. So it's basically a, a carbon trade market, but just utilizing the taxes to, to do it, to make it happen. That's right. And, and you can buy and sell these. And, and it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, particularly in projects where the credits are smaller, the transactions to do um, sales of tax credits are, are much easier than it is to do the old school tax equity. But in certain projects that are a lot larger, tax equity becomes, is, is still a better option. And so the great thing about it is we had one option before, we've got three options now, That's and we're right. all looking at those options saying, which one of those is really the most valuable in terms of getting the value for my tax credits. Okay, so I'm wearing my operator hat. I like what I'm hearing. What can I do, right, at, at being on the end of the stick right now, but trying to take advantage of this? Who can I talk to? You know, are we lobbying? How do I get more clarity? How do we, we turn the needle and move this forward? Is there anything that we can do at home to help move this along? Absolutely, um, absolutely. So, uh, and, and we are doing things as, as, as um, Jeff had mentioned, we're trying to get some guidance in this. We've been trying to get, actively trying to get guidance around 45Q uh, for years now. And, and one of the things, again, um, to the credit of the IRS and Treasury, they are good at listening. They are, um, they are taking meetings uh, they're listening to, to, to stakeholders. Now, they may not always agree with us, but they are listening. Um, and so there is an opportunity. So what I would say is if you have an interest in making sure we get good guidance under 45Q, you know, reach out to Treasury. There's an opportunity to provide written comments um, to Treasury. So you can send letters to Treasury requesting guidance. Uh, you can reach out to your representatives, your senators, your, your uh, members. Um, to, to have them try and help out to make sure we get the right guidance for this work, but reach out to government officials and and or or ask someone to help you reach out to government officials. Um, you know, we've been spending a lot of our time over the last year and even historically trying to get guidance, and so reach out, make sure it's clear to Treasury that we need guidance in this area, what we need guidance on, and really what we need to see to make forty five Q really work for industry. They're listening, but we need to be talking to them about what we need. 
See, I thought the easy answer was hire me, Shaw, and team from Holland at night, and they'll take care of it for you. But <laughs> I figured I'd let you say that, Jeff. I don't want to be too self-promoting. Yeah, that's 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 what we're here for. <laughs> no, you guys are doing outstanding work. Uh, you know, I know we've we've worked together on, on a couple of things now, and uh, you know, so you guys, it's an amazing operation you guys are doing there. Um, but uh, we really appreciate all the insights and and uh, you know, kind of clarification or. Clarification on the lack of clarification, I guess we'd say. But uh, no, I, anything we missed? Uh, anything uh, about 45Q we forgot to ask? I think we've hit all the high points, and I appreciate you all having me on. Yeah, that's yeah, it. We have you back, not at the two-year anniversary, <laughs> but well before to be celebrating. So yeah, yeah. thanks so much, Amish. This was very insightful. Uh, we look forward to speaking and working with you soon. Sounds good. Great. Thank you all.